Hi, my name is Dr. Morris Duffy, and today I'm going to be speaking to a person I've admired on Twitter for ages. And I'm so delighted to finally get a chance to talk to Dr. Jennifer Cassidy. But before I start, for those of you who are new or don't know me, I'm an executive coach. I'm a change agent and a motivational speaker. For the past 20 odd years, I've coached and presented to literally thousands of business people, to politicians and to sports people on performance, on change, on business and personal strategies, on leadership, and basically how to be the person they want to be. In the business world, I've worked in over 40 countries with business people looking for help on becoming a better leader, building better teams or building better businesses. I've also worked in sport and probably am best known through some of the work that I've done in sport with Olympic champions, international golfers, premiership footballers, international sports teams such as the Australian cricket team, professional clubs, or even politicians in Westminster and uh, Washington. A lot of the client work I do is individual or team focused and I'm a mental conditioning coach at a number of high performing clubs. And I do a lot of work in the NHS and with many blue chip companies. You can find out more about me from uh, about me at www.morrisduffy.com or if Twitter is your thing at the big squawks or just message me or send me an email at letstalkmorrisduffy.com. The podcasts I do are with people I admire and I think you can learn from and I certainly learn from them. And you can find out more about that on my website on some of the people I have spoken to so far. But today, we've got Dr. Jennifer Cassidy, a person I have admired for ages. And I love her Twitter account at Oxford Diplomat. She's Irish, so of course I'm gonna like her. She's a lecturer at Oxford. She's a past diplomat. She's a TED speaker. She's written a fantastic book on gender and diplomacy. And of course she's best known, well, maybe not best known, but certainly known at uh, Oxford Diplomat. So let's kind of start the podcast and uh, look at the interview and listen to the interview that I've done. Uh, Dr. Morris Duffy and I'm absolutely thrilled. I'm delighted um, to uh, be talking to Dr. Jennifer Cassidy. I've followed Oxford Diplomat on Twitter for ages and I love her cushing comments. I love her insights on uh, politics. Uh, obviously, I love her reflections on uh, on uh, Ireland and uh, what happens there. And then, of course, the appreciation of the violin whenever she kind of does the little diddly diddly, which is more than diddly diddly, it's a little <laughs> sophisticated on that, um, on, on, uh, on, on Twitter itself. So Jennifer, how are you? Fine, thank you. And thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Not at all, not at all. As I said, well, one of my heroes on Twitter is you kind of capture what I think many times. So what would be useful is to kind of find out a little bit about you. So where yes. are you from? You know, how did you find yourself where you are right now? Um, so, yeah, a bit of background. Please feel free to, to interrupt me if I'm, you know, it all started in 1852. Like, I won't go that far. <laughs> but um, so please feel free to, to um, yeah, interrupt. So I initially, uh, talking about violin, uh, was started my degree in violin and... Oh. I had no intention ever of doing anything in academia. I never won one academic prize in school, even though last uh, two years ago, I was invited to be the keynote speaker to give out the academic prizes at prize night. And I did tell everyone in the room, including the parents, I'm like, I just have to note that 
during my six years of this school, I never once won an academic prize. And then the room started laughing and I was like, and it's not like I came second and this speech is going to be one about the unspoken joys of coming second. I was like, I came nowhere near them. Um, but it was just really to tell people, you know, where you are now doesn't determine, you know, where you're going to end up. Uh, but I had a back injury for from from violin. Um, so okay. I how can you get a back injury from violin? That's what everyone everyone says. Like you have a back injury from 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 music. Still to this day, I have to go to uh, once a week. I have um, it, it is quite literally the bane of my life. Uh, I have to, and I'm smiling about it as well. I'm sorry, right? Yeah, no, no worries. But uh, well, for example, in the Irish Orchestra, which meets uh, twice a year, and I did that from when I was twelve to twenty one. Uh, once at Christmas um, for for three weeks and then in the summer for maybe like seven weeks and then we travel abroad and do concerts but we would practice 10 to 12 hours a day mm. and let alone would you practice for 10 to 12 hours a day you would have to know the music before you even got to the event itself mm. um, and so just the constant movement of of, of the arm it it is like tendonitis and just yeah practicing for that long for 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 so so many hours would, would uh, certainly do it to you and so my the advice was you'll make it through a degree but a professional career would see you in a, in, a, in a lot of pain so I chose writing at a desk which didn't you know <laughs> um wasn't the best choice as well uh but however then I I decided uh, well, what is the subject I liked the most in school? Um, history, it was the subject I liked the most. And I thought politics might be a good complement to that. I didn't know anything really about politics at the age of 18. My family are not, are not political. Um, I, 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 yeah, I was very green go, go going into it. But turns out that I didn't like studying history as an academic subject. I still love history, but not as an ad academic discipline. But the politics and, and some um, lecturers, particular, particularly uh, Dr. Jacqueline Hayden, um, were just so inspiring and so encouraging. And my love for just current affairs and everything going on really uh, drove me there. And and. From there, I I never thought I would ever do a master's. <laughs> and then it, I just decided, okay, I'm gonna apply. And so I applied uh, to, to do a master's and I got accepted um, here in Oxford for the MSc in Global Government and Diplomacy, which is the course I now uh, lecture on, which is strange to, 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 to think about when I thought I would never even get in and now I'm, I'm lecturing on it. Uh, and then I loudly proclaimed to my department that I would never do a PhD. I said, I was like, bye guys, it's been fun. Like a PhD is not for me. And then I worked for Ireland's, I, I thankfully got a job immediately after work for Ireland's mission to the UN in New York. And then after that, I went, I worked for the EU diplomatic service in, to, to the kingdom of Cambodia, working primarily on the Khmer Rouge tribunals and other human rights issues in the region. And then came back to headquarters 
when Ireland had the chairmanship of the OSCE for 2012 and presidency of the Council of the European Union for 2013. Um, and then after that, I decided, I think digital diplomacy is going to become a thing. And I think I want to be part of that. So I went back to my same department and I was like, hi, it's me, <laughs> the person who said they'd never do a PhD. Um, please accept me. And thankfully they did. And yes, I, I did the PhD um, and I wrote a book on women in diplomacy alongside the, the, the PhD and then have been lecturing here in Oxford for, um, since then. And, and, and there are a number of highlights that you've just kind of rambled through there, right? You know, so <laughs> working for the UN, you working in uh, the EU, um, you know, but there's one obviously that jumps out as like, you know, in Cambodia and working on the tribunals. And that, that, that must have been traumatic. Yes, yes, certainly. The, so I'd spend two to three days um, a week at the Khmer Rouge tribunals because the EU funds the, the tribunals and the tribunals are a hybrid hybrid tribunal um, between the UN and um, Cambodia uh, speaking in a personal capacity even though I did write a number of reports to Brussels uh, on this there was so badly run um, mm. that I couldn't see how this was creating justice or you know, just um, judges were being bribed. There were so many stories of you know judges having to leave the two le the two legal systems of the Cambodian legal systems and the UN systems. They were not working in unison. Um, however, the French ambassador uh, had a great conversation with me, and he really changed my mind on it. And he said, "Look, yes, it is not." doing this amazing job of bring because it's only it's trying five people one at a time not in a group and they're all over 80 and so he's like yes it's not doing exactly what we would like to do but look at everyone in that room so every day there was free buses from Phnom Penh um, to take um, anyone who wants to go to the tribunals and the tribunals were absolutely packed every single day and so you know uh, somewhat akin to the truth and reconciliation process in, in South Africa it was an outlet for the people it was something so you know he really did like that was just me learning you know about diplomacy and I was so so fortunate to you know have great ambassadors you know like that he said you know some things might look on the outside they might look like they deserve funding or what we see as workable but actually they're they're serving a different purpose and mm. um, so and, and, and that emotional release and, and that feeling you know of some closure um you know it's is so, is so, so important you know exactly much I I I, I, to I totally get that and, and there's so much there in your history that I'd, I'd love to delve into <laughs> So, you know, the, the, uh, the masters and, and lecturing at Oxford. So what's it like as an Irish person lecturing at Oxford? Well, <laughs> lecturing, I, I finished my PhD in, uh, at the end of May, it was in May 2017. Um, and I got a lectureship in June, which I 
was so fortunate uh, to get. And so that was teaching um, at St. Peter's College on uh, politics, philosophy and economics, that PPE course, which the Financial Times, I believe, wrote the article saying the course that ruined the nation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I'm like, mm, they do have a number of fair points, I have to say, <laughs> in it. However, there are, for example, in that cohort of, of the three years I was doing it, there were students like Malala, were, Malala uh, was there. So I was like, you know, it, it does draw. There are shining lights in it. But, you know, being Irish during that time, it because it was all during the Brexit negotiations, um, and teaching European politics as well, and having a voice online. Yeah, it was, it was it, uh, not that difficult, because I do connect with the students, um, very well and the tutorials and and I am quite an extreme marker so I mark their I spend so much time marking so I they know that their work like that I value and respect their time and their work so there was a lot of mutual um, respect there but um, yeah I think some some people I, I had to openly always say to people you can disagree with what I like just because we all know I I disagree with Brexit if you have a valid argument for Brexit which is not based on propaganda please you know you know you know express it and and tell it like I don't want to just um, develop a cohort of people who are all just thinking like me all I all I ask for you to do is to do the argument um so to put them at ease like that that was that was something uh which took time because of course students want to like I myself back in the day want to impress you know lectures and and I was like once there's no like disinformation and propaganda and you've a good argument like who am I to judge your your work you're, you're talking to the converted here because you could never put a good argument to me for brexit but that's uh that's a conversation that we could yeah. have because i can i can never find a good argument and yeah you know, what i'm interested in asking you and just exploring with you for a couple of minutes is you know your view on politics right now you know you know we're, mm. we're talking and we're in the uk on english politics you know uh, or on american politics which uh seem to kind of rule the world right so yeah you know, as a student, as a teacher, as an educator, as a you know um, uh, uh, an individual who has had a lot of experience uh, working in some of these areas, what's what is your view? Well, um, I hate to use the word fascinated, but I will use it. I'm fascinated and hooked at the moment on U.S. politics. The first thing I do every single morning is go on YouTube. I watch Rachel Maddow, um, who actually the re- she did her PhD at Lincoln College, and that's the reason I chose the 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 college. I watch just an array of of, of um, you know um, analysis shows on on U.S. politics. You know, in some sense, I can't believe what I'm seeing, but I'm also think 
really, this is the only way I saw the Trump presidency ending. You know, I never saw him quietly leaving. I mm. never saw, this is probably the most Trumpian way to exit um, a presidency there is, but there, I, I had given a lecture to UCD actually last uh, last week um, on uh, a po uh, post-Trump, you know, a Biden presidency, what next? And my question that I, that I put to um, the audience and one I put to myself and, and, you know, to anyone listening is, you know, should there be an age of, should Biden engage in an age of forgetting, which the U.S has historically done, for example, with Obama not investigating war crimes, um, other presidents pardoning um, ex-presidents, or should there be an age of reckoning? Mm -hmm. Because this is an event like no other. And I think this, this call for unity, which we all know is just an inaugural you know, staple. I think there needs to be an age of reckoning. I think there needs to be some kind of truth and reconciliation process. And the media has so, so much to answer for. And just listening, listening to these people talk about how the election was stolen, the passion, like the true belief, the true belief they have um it is shocking and and one of the quotes that i always come back to um apologies that about how i'm going to pronounce her second name it i always um butcher it um hannah arendt or yeah um a-r-e-n-d-t for people if i if i've messed it up but the the quote is and she wrote um, she's my favorite, like if not the the top political philosopher that that I go to. But she she for clarification for people listening, she escaped Nazi Germany, uh, to, went to the U.S. and she wrote about fascism in Europe in the 1920s and 30s. Um, but her work today is so unbelievably relevant, and the quote is. The, uh, the ideal subject of totalitarian rule is not the convinced communist or the ardent Nazi, but the person for whom fact and fiction and truth and falsehood no longer exist. Mm. And I, I think that is just so powerful. If you have the ability to create two realities, because these people truly believe this, uh, essentially you know, you have what we have seen. <laughs> and, 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 the, and the U.S. is, is you know, it's, 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 you know, the diversity of it is huge. And, you know, I, 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 I was surprised and I wasn't surprised by what actually happened because having, you know, worked in and traveled in many of the big cities and then gone into Midwest and, 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 and mid-U.S. Uh, um, and yeah. Looking at the diversity of views, of education, of worldliness, of travel, of all of those things. And when you explore that, you know, there, what you have is kind of behaviorally uh, and, and within individuals, a very different perspective of what the world is and what the role of the U.S. is in that world. 
Um, and I think that you know Biden's challenge is going to be how you play both of those sides off. Um, because you know, whenever you engage with one, you're going to you know basically piss off the other ones. Um, yeah. And, and how we how we how we travel forward is going to be interesting. And I, and and you know, I've, I've never really explored that view, and, and and it's an interesting one because you know, U.S. is about forgiveness. It's it's just wipe the history and move on. Um, and you know, whether there should be that reconciliation or whether there should be those reviews is a it's a really interesting topic. Yeah, I, I personally believe there should be an age of reckoning, certainly because I I think we can all agree that Biden will be a one-term president. I don't think he's going, going to run again. Um, so with that, he does have the luxury to go first. You know, he doesn't need to take it slow in order to, to, to get re-elected. Re um, but every, every country... And I, this is, I rarely compare Trump and Brexit. I think they're, I actually think they're very se separate things. However, on, in this context, I do compare, compare them. Unlike most countries, the majority of which I'm talking about here, which have been colonized, all of which ended when they post, when they gained their freedom, Look at look at us in the Republic. It took twenty four hours. You know, we were in a civil war. Um, in for, for example, in Africa, the only country that didn't have a civil war post uh, colonization was Cape Verde, and those civil wars were based on people's idea of what their country wanted to, their view of the country and what they wanted to go forward. But the U.S. and the UK have never had that because they've always dominated uh, the globe. So they've so if we see Remainers, Leavers, it's about their view of the their country, where they fit in the world, and where they want to go forward. And it's the same with Biden, and it's and the same with Trump when, when they say this is our country. It's like what? What are you? What are you talking about? You know, it, this is not just your country, but it's. Uh, with the way I interpret it, they truly mean, you know, this is our interpretation. This is how we want. And those two countries haven't had that kind of age of reckoning. Uh, mm. And and they need it because, yeah. yeah. And, and that's, a, that's kind of a very interesting view because you go to the other side, then you'll say that, you know, in, in Russia, what they're terrified of is a revolution, right? So yeah. The opposite. So the only thing that they worry about, they don't worry about the US or the UK or the EU or anybody's perception of them. The only thing that they worry about is the perception of their own people because they have yeah. a habit of uh, of uh, you know having having a revolution. But you know, I, I, I could stay talking on this topic for a long time, so I'm yeah. going to it along because um, you know, in, in in the interest of of your time, so kind of just. Give us a little insight. So, you know, we've seen Oxford Diplomat. We've seen you on Twitter. You know, there's the the, the, the music in you. There's the, um, the the government part of you, right? There's the lecture. There's the politics in you. So, you know, so as a, a young person in comparison to me and a very young person in comparison to me, you know, you've traveled quite a lot. So let me kind of just delve into your personality for a little yeah. bit. So who's the person in history you most admire and why? Oh wow, that is that's a broad. Well, there's got to be one that comes to mind. Um, living or your choice. I'm just curious. What would be the words? Because you know, what are the Mary, words? Mary Mary Robinson. 
Uh, Mary Robinson. Now, there is an interesting one. Irish president, right? Irish senator, Irish ambassador, Irish icon. Um, everything, yeah. but I don't know what else you would say about her. So why is it Mary Robinson? Uh, she just, I, 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 she came into power at an age when I was just beginning to realize what power was or what leadership was. I didn't even realize the significance of her uh, election, but it obviously stuck with me and, and stayed with me. Um, and just her, you know, her her passion and enduring sense of duty mm. um, to to the co- the causes that she um, represents, and, and and in my opinion, she does it so humbly. And yeah, it, it's a very personal choice for me that it, it's someone that. I saw, as I said, my family is not political, like outer family is not political or, or anything of the sort. And so to see that really started things, I think, working in, in, in my head. Brilliant. And what's, the, what's your favourite piece of music? What piece of music do you tend to go to? Oh, so playing-wise or listening? When you when you're looking for that moment when you know Jennifer just wants to be Jennifer, what is it that you would tend to go to? Oh God, I my music taste um, aside from the classical is pretty <laughs> pretty uh, embarrassing. It's like one of those things where you know if you're at a party, someone's like, "Can I listen to your Spotify?" You're like, "No, no, don't listen to that. Like, you don't want to hear what I listen to." Um, very just top kind of. Uh, top charts uh, music but regarding my own um, my yeah oh Foy Vance actually um, from from Northern Ireland Mm. Uh, my brother got me uh, if yeah if I could see ever see him live oh his voice is just phenomenal Coldplay I'm obsessed with and Lennon Stella this um, US artist um, and regarding playing and and music um, anything Dvorak and 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 Beethoven is wow well, is, you know, I've, uh, kind of you know, I, I, I can't match that but you know the thing that's really fascinated me recently um, especially through lockdown because it brought back so many uh, memories is you know the the, the kind of fi- fixation with shanty music right now yeah um, this is this is just irish pub music you know it's what i was yeah. kind of born and raised with it it's, it's really funny i've been writing some shanty music but anyway we, we won't delve into that but i just it was a, a an interesting an interesting one so how have you found lockdown um tough i have to say you know i, I i'm i i had COVID myself nearly a year ago actually today for St. Bridget's Day I went to the um, Irish Embassy in Rome uh, for the, the, the week after there was an event on women in diplomacy and I was on a panel with a number of female um, ambassadors and I'm pretty sure I got it there this was before even Italy had declared an emergency mm-hmm. And uh, I came. I came back. Thankfully, I did not spread it to any of my students. 
Um, I'm so grateful for that. But I was hospitalized for it. And uh, thankfully, no long lasting symptoms whatsoever. But the lockdown has been tough because I live alone. And uh, I'm assistant dean at one of the colleges. So we're on duty maybe two or three nights uh, a week for some students who are still remaining. And, you know, if there's any anyone who gets a, a test, we're immediately alerted. And then we, you know, follow up with them and make sure everyone um, is, is isolating. And while I do acknowledge that you know, I have like everything I need. I have a park on my on my doorstep and internet and, 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 and all these things. I do think it's okay to also say, you know what, it's kind of tough and I'd like to be with my family, you know, and my dog in, you know, in, in Dublin. But, you know, it's a necessary evil, so to speak. Um, it is it is what it is, but yeah, I have I have found it tough, particularly this one. I think this is yeah the the, the, the last one. And what would you say you know you've learned about yourself through lockdown? Uh, ooh, I feel like the PhD taught me a lot about lockdown. Um, <laughs> I was so we we have the support bubbles here, and my my support bubble is. Uh, my friend, uh, uh, Dr. Chloe Lewis, and she did the PhD with me. We had our desks beside each other. We were like, we, wow, that really prepared us for, for um, the, the lockdown, like the solitude. Mm. Um, what have I um, learned about? I don't think I've learned too much about myself. That's awful to say. Um, I've got into jigsawing, if that's a thing. Um, yeah, I, uh, I got quite obsessed with it. I'd never done jigsaw, I think, in like 20 years. And then mm. over Christmas, I, uh, when I was in Dublin uh, over Christmas, I made around four and I would be there for like six hours. I'm like, this is not normal. Um, so, uh, yeah, doing that. But it's also just given me a lot of time to think about what I want moving forward and like as I as I said previously about uh you know the different kind of milestones in, in the career if I if I can call it, call it that you know where where to next um I uh, academia is changing thankfully uh, people are slow, I think, uh, on 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 the change. Uh, but regarding the public outreach and even you know like uh, interviews um, like this and discussions like this, I think this is the way forward, which I'm very grateful for. Uh, but I don't know if it's going to move as fast as I wanted to move. <laughs> so yeah, just giving me a. a um, a lot of time to think and, and reflect because I will never make a decision. That's one thing about me until I have thought and thought and rethought about um, about it. So, And as somebody who um, teaches elite sportsmen, when people ask me, what do I teach them? And I teach them not to think. 
Uh, that's the kind of critical thing that I want them to do is not to think, right? Um, which is kind of one of the hardest things, um, hardest things in the world to do. So, you know, if you take, you know, somebody like a Steve Smith and you ask him the question and he'll tell you two things about me. One is he'll refer to the phrase that I always tell him is dig in. Now, dig in. Yeah. Right? That's kind of one. And two is stop thinking. Right? Stop yeah. Thinking. I don't want you. When you're out there for eight hours, I don't want one thought in your head. Right. Um, but but we we could uh, we can we could move on to uh, into that topic for a long time. So you know, uh, you shared with me what the future would be. Uh, I'm not going to share it here, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's it is exciting and it is impactful, and I have no doubt that um, you know, you will achieve it. You know, you are. A, a, I a hope so. A fascinating individual. If anybody wants to understand politics or to get an insight in politics. Um, you know, I suggest that they follow you on uh, at oh, Oxford. Thank you so I, much. No, no, no. I, I would suggest that because that's that's hugely insightful. I think that you know you have travelled a long way. I, I thank you for your time today. It's no, been, I thank you for having me. Right, um, really, really useful. Um, you know, as I said, I've admired you for quite a while. So you know, I wish you every success. I hope lockdown goes well. You know, please keep sending out those uh, violins. I love them. You know, um, I. I I can't play a musical instrument. I have not one, um, you know, my kids, if my kids were listening, they would say, this is so true. He is not musical. Um, even though every child I have is hugely musical, right? Hugely musical. So I go, how did I get that so wrong, right? So I obviously passed everything on to them. But thank you for your time. Wish you every success uh, to the future. And... Uh, Dr. Jennifer Cassidy, find Thank you. Diplomat. Thank you. If you're interested in change, mindset, and personal development, whether in your personal life or career, you can head over to morristuffy.com forward slash resources, where you'll be able to access loads of inspirational material, articles, podcasts, and motivational thoughts, as well as meditation and visualization exercises. You can also get in touch with Dr. Maurice Duffy and his team by email on let's talk at mauriceduffy.com. And don't forget to follow him on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. Simply search for at the Beak Squawks.